Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to What's on Your Mind, this special live event. I'm Lydia Payne Johnson, your host. What's on Your Mind is the place where African American women can embrace their true potential for self love and acceptance. And it's the place where you can begin to change the narrative about who you are. Again, welcome to all of you who tuned in. I'm really excited tonight because we want to talk about shedding your emotional baggage and taming your inner critic. You know, all of us have an inner critic, women in particular, but it's especially, especially, uh, Uh, something that African-American women carry because we have all these different messages from childhood, from partners, uh, such as you're too fat, you're too skinny, you were chubby when you were a child, you have good hair, you have nappy hair, you have uh, your light skin, she's dark skin. And these messages while we sometimes given in jest by family, by friends, by partners, they, they, they kind of took hold for many of us over the years. And so then you carry it into adulthood. And as you carry it into adulthood, it kind of gets in the way. And that's where your inner critic starts to come in. Because now those comments, about how you looked, how you talked, how you walked, how you wore your hair or the type of hair you had, your skin color, now begin to impact how you see yourself when you're dealing with other people, how you see yourself as you're engaged in relationships, how you see yourself even at work where you're doing a presentation and You know, you're beginning to second-guess yourself because you say, oh, my goodness, are they looking at me? Do I I look too fat? Do I, you know, are my glasses on straight? So there are, you know, these, these, these things have built up inside, and they also impact how you see yourself, your self-image. And so a friend of mine once said that, Black women are like bag ladies. If you've ever seen a, a, you know, a homeless woman or a bag lady on the street, there's a lot of, you almost can't tell where she starts and the bags end because there's so much. And we carry that baggage. And so my friend said, so it is time for black women to start unpacking. And so tonight, we want to talk about those emotional triggers and the fact that the inner critic, it's not only something that can make you maybe feel less than, but sometimes it makes you feel better than. And in making you feel better than because maybe you feel, well, I got good hair and she got bad hair. That's not a good mm-hmm. place to be either. Because at the end of the day, we as black women need to honor ourselves, we need to recognize our own beauty, but we also need to be supportive of each other. And so to talk about this tonight, I am so pleased 
to have as my co-hosts and guests, Cheryl Jackson and Lyris Wallace. Cheryl and Lyris are avid lovers, readers, and writers of African-American literature. Both are from uh, the Country Hills, uh, southern suburb of Chicago. Um, they, like many young ladies, read Nancy Drew, The Hardy Boys, and Judy Bloom novels. But in college, they, were, they had a literary awakening to James Baldwin, Toni Morrison, Maya Angelou, and others. And those were the writers that influenced Cheryl and Lurith to begin to adopt the writing in the spirit of those ancestors and to give voice to social issues that plague African-Americans especially. Their latest self-published book is titled Mirrored Images. And they also have a book called Different Sides of the Same Coin. And their poems range from a host of life topics, such as relationships, frayed familial dynamics, juggling life, single parenting, racism, all of those topics we are also familiar with. So their writing allowed them to find their voice, and especially during this pandemic. So they write about what they know their experiences as black women, and looking at it intrinsically and authentically. Welcome, Cheryl and Lyris. Tell me. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you. We're glad so, to be here. What inspired you to write about black women in particular and self-image? Lars? Um, well, we are black women, number one. We write from <laughs> our experiences as uh, black women. And as older black women, uh, we feel like we had, uh, you know, voices of Intasaki um, uh, Shange and uh, Nikki Giovanni and mm-hmm. uh, Sonia Sanchez, you know, flying our, our black women flags. And we just took up the banner. Um, for me, it, it's very, uh, it means a lot because uh, I grew up bullied because I was overweight. And I've been uh, pretty much overweight my entire life. And, um, you know, it was important for me to tell young women that you don't have to be a size 10, you don't have to be a size 2, you, you know, whatever you are at this moment in your life, it is you're good. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything else; just be you, because mm-hmm. that is what contributes to the culture and and to your people is you being you. And you can't let anyone uh, make you feel bad about what you know what what you are and who you are. Thank you, Cheryl. You want to share what inspired you? Well, our stories are very similar in that for the first time in college, we were able to see ourselves. Writing allows us to be seen. It allows us to have a place Mm -hmm. and to tell our narrative as black women the way we want to tell it. 
Okay. And so uh, we write, Lydia, for visibility. And just to put another narrative on the table, because we shouldn't all have to fly under one banner of basketball wives or, you know, reality television or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, mm-hmm. the, 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 whatever box that people want to place us in, we're saying, no, we're unboxable. And so we write to say, this is the lane that we want to be visible in. We're here. Yeah. Our lives and stories matter, and that's why we write. Thank you. You know, Lourdes, you, you spoke about, um, you know, the fact that you were overweight as a child and, and that you've been overweight most of your adult life. I can relate because I've always kind of battled some weight issues myself. Mm-hmm. But if you could share mm-hmm. with the audience some of the, the comments that you have endured over the years and how that began to play around with your inner critic and, and, and what did that do to you before you reached this point? Um, well, when someone puts, a, uh, puts you in that box and they say, you know, you're, you're fat and that's all you hear on a daily basis, you know, you hear that that's the one thing you never have to tell a, 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 a big person. You don't have to tell a big person that they are fat. They know it, okay? So some of the the names that I've endured was uh, when I was in grade school, I was called Whale Tail. Um, uh, let's, you know, just name, and from that, other bullying, uh, because I was overweight, other bullying took place. Um, I, my name is Loris, and it's spelled L-Y-R-I-S, and people mm-hmm. cannot say that name. So they would say Lyris, and then, of course, uh, in grade school, it became Lyris the virus. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, it, the bullying got worse as I was in high school. You know, uh, instead of just being fat, then I was ugly because I was fat. So, wow. uh, yeah, the, it, it was just a horrible experience. And sometimes, you know, I would find myself, uh, because I was bullied, since grade school, by the time I got in high school, I kind of developed a tough hide, and um, I refused to let them see me cry. I mm. just refused. So uh, I found myself running home. You know, I, we didn't live that far from from the high school, so I would find myself running home so they wouldn't see me cry. Mm. And then at home, I could let it loose. But then when you're at home, sometimes you know you're dealing with a you know, I had an old school mom, and her thing was, well, you know, Lars, you really got to lose weight. You're hearing it all the time. You really got to lose weight. Lars, you're just too big. You're too big. Lars, you know, I can't buy clothes for you. And, um, uh, you know, Lars, you're going to be sitting at home while your sister is on dates, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and sure enough, that happened. I was sitting at home, you know, watching TV, the Cosby Show, while my <laughs> sisters were out having dates. <laughs> And uh, and so, again, when you're in that kind of situation, what do you do? You turn for, to comfort, and what was comforting to me was food. So mm-hmm. I got even bigger. And uh, uh, so when people put you in that box, that is always with you every day 
all day, even after you get older. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, that really did a thing on me. It it affects everything, you know, especially when you're hearing it day in and day out. So it really affects you. You know, I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to be the next Oprah Winfrey uh-huh. when I was in college. But I was hearing all the time, you know, I was, you know, uh, I was so big, and then I was thinking, you know, well, that that kind of triggers other things. Well, maybe I'm not smart enough, even though, you know, I had a degree. I was thinking, well, maybe I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pretty enough to be on TV, you know. And then I, and then that whole thing was, um, well, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Lord, that's the last thing I need is another 10 pounds on the 300 I already got. So I, I was like, Lord, no, you know, okay, I, I'm not – I can't be the next Oprah Winfrey. And uh, so you, put your, you wind up putting yourself in a box. Well, Oprah was big. And, you know, right. um, but what was interesting about Oprah was that when she did lose the weight, she celebrated, but she never really got under the, the, the you know, the root cause of it. She never really right. talked about right. Um, this kind of things you're talking about um, that that impacted you. For her, it was a celebration. Her audience celebrated with her. She ran a marathon, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was a lot of this. I, I don't want to diminish because it was it was good for her, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was also very superficial. It was surface. Um, yeah, and I, you know, what. I'm, I think what we're talking about tonight is this whole notion of you still carry that inside of you until you reach that point where you want to deal with it because that inner critic or that little committee that's inside your head that is, you know, repeating those messages you got right. as a child or even as an adult, right. they're in there, you know, they're doing their thing. They're, 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 they're talking into their microphones which is, you know, messing with your head. Um, And and again, it's not just about weight. It's about other things that we as black women that, you know, hear. And we've got to also begin to be willing to look at those things, the things, like I said, the light skin versus dark skin, the feeling that because Mm. you are dark skin, somehow or another, you are less than. Or mm-hmm. because you are light-skinned, somehow or another, you're not accepted. Or because your hair isn't as straight and curly as your cousin, yes. for example, that um, she's somehow better. So then as you grow up, you begin looking at other people who may have those same qualities. And you're embracing mm-hmm. So, you know, the that inner critic really does operate to add that baggage, that emotional baggage, um, yeah. and, and, and makes it hard to, to let it go. Uh, Cheryl, yeah, and it prevents you from – go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. It, pre- it, it prevents you from, you know, uh, doing things that would lead you to something better. Because you figure, like, because, you know, your inner voice is telling you you're not, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it, it it can hinder you from being as successful as you would, you know, want to be. Agreed. Cheryl, do you have any thoughts that you want to add to the conversation? Well, I mean, we were we were we were both teased for different reasons. I was extremely skinny and mm-hmm. and, and 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 underweight. But mm-hmm. those things didn't hinder me. They kind of enabled me to do other things. I modeled, mm-hmm. and I was really good in, in, in athletics. And I'm very, very sympathetic to my sister and, and all of the things that she had to suffer. Mm-hmm. So what, what I try to do and I'm still guilty of the same thing. You, you, you want to make her world better because you see the bullying and you see the tears. Mm-hmm. So from early ages, um, I was the, the athlete and my sister was not good at sports. So right. because I was so good, because I was so good at sports, I began to use that until, you know, my, my coaches and, you know, people in, in athletics, if there's not a place for my sister at the table, then you can't, I won't, I won't play. I won't mm-hmm. participate in your sports. And so she was able to, you know, be a statistician while I played all the sports, volleyball, track, wow. tennis, basketball. I mean, she, you know, I, it was just a package deal. It was understood. You're going to have to also make a place for my sister. And so, you know, that's just that's just how it was. That's how it is to this day. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to do anything if she's not part of it. I just love that. And I, I love that the notion of, you know, you're supportive of your sister. And it's, you know, audience, if we think of this more broadly with respect to being supportive of our sisters, they don't have to be mm-hmm. blood sisters, but, you know, they're, they're, we've heard talk about how black women need to support each other. And mm. in many times it is just that, talk. But the notion right. of being supportive of each other because we're each carry some kind of emotional baggage and each of us is is wrestling with that inner critic every day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so the importance of being supportive of whether it's a, a coworker or a, um, a relative or even somebody you don't know, you might see and you might, that inner critic might actually start to churn up inside of you and you'll see somebody who's maybe not dressed as well as you are. And then that inner critic criticizing her and Mm -hmm. making you feel better than Mm -hmm. that that woman. Okay. And instead Mm -hmm. what that does to you, it makes you kind of arrogant. Maybe you become aloof, but put yourself Mm -hmm. in the other person's shoes. What if that were you? What if the roles were switched? You wouldn't want somebody to think of you the way you may be thinking of that person. But more importantly, 
you don't know what that other person is going through. Right. And exactly. So, I mean, that that goes go to kind of how our parents raised us. Mm-hmm. You love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you kind of treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. And so in, in that respect, my sister reminded me of a story that I'd forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it goes back to the athleticism. She kept every single letter that I ever lettered in, and she puts them in a box. And, and I found these, these, these high school letters, and I would give mm-hmm. them to my sister because she so wanted to be athletic. She so wanted mm-hmm. to be the job, the, the, the one that got the accolades for being the great, you know, sportsman. But because I understood the bullying and I understood just what that meant to my sister, uh-huh. it, 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 didn't, it, didn't, it didn't mean anything to me the way it meant to her. So why not give them to her? And we are, we are like way beyond high school, and she still has every single letter, mm. you know, that, that I gave to her all those years ago. Wow. That that's that's amazing. You know, I I will touch on the again how important it is for black women to be supportive of each other. It doesn't mean yes, you have exactly. to be chummy. It doesn't mean that you have to go out to drink for drinks or, you know, be mm-hmm. best buds. It doesn't mean that. Right. What it means is that, you know, when that if if you are the only two, say, in a meeting and yes. one of you leaves the meeting and other people are talking about you. You know, you right. don't want to be the one that joins in. Right. Okay? You don't want right. to, to, uh, to fuel that. Right. I had a situation myself where um, it was somebody that was on my team. And mm. while I tried to be very supportive of her and coaching her. She was talking my name like dirt behind my back to a um, number, number of different people around the company. And finally, one day, it was a woman, black woman in another uh, department who called me up and told me that this, uh, this person on my team had been talking to her about somebody and tearing the person down, and then she realized she was talking about me. Uh-huh. And she said, and said to me, are you okay? So, uh-huh. like I said, it's not about being chummy in all these instances. You don't have to take the person under your wing. But you, right. have, I think it's very important for black women to be supportive of each other and to not fuel the fire or fan the flames when people are talking badly, whether it's about how you talk or what, or how smart you are or what you look like or what you're dressed in. Don't participate in that. But if you, I if agree. you can, if you can reach out to that person and, and give them a heads up, then do so. But be supportive because then, then that's when your, your inner critic 
is in that what what what's been called the compassionate center. That's where you want to be. You want to have that balance in your in your whole psyche, in your whole demeanor. You want to kind of always check in. Are you trying to feel better than that person? Or did that person make you feel less than? So how do you how do you calibrate to get to that compassionate center? So I I think that just hearing these Loris and Cheryl, who are sisters, who they support each other, when in some families, as we know, sometimes that sister, the, the, you know, the one that's the athlete and she's thin or she's prettier and she, you know, wins beauty contests and all that stuff, that she kind of runs with that. She leaves her sister behind. But not here, and I think that that is, is so laudable that, you know, how the two of you support and have supported each other over the years. And the fact that, you know, Cheryl, as you said, it was a package deal. <laughs> it wasn't, uh, you know, you take me or you don't take either one of us. Um, That's right. And again, ladies, um, it's not that I'm advocating that in your work or your professional or your um family life that you do that, but I think it's time for black women to be more mindful of how we see each other, how we see ourselves, how we support each other. Because when when you start being more compassionate and having that compassionate center, you are actually pushing yourself into a healthier mindset. So I'm going to take the time now to ask, um, Loris and um, Cheryl, to share with us um, an excerpt from your book, Mirrored Images. What are you going to share with us tonight? Um, okay. I, I wrote, we have a lot of poems about our dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died. He, he passed away with stage four prostate cancer. Sorry to and hear so that. I'll okay. I, thank you so much. And so I'll just read um, a poem that I wrote for him. A little bit of that. It's called "Leave Me Alone with My Blues." Some days, all a person has is their blues. I'm talking to Albert King. I've been down since I began to crawl blues. The down home. Play the other record or two. Collard greens with cornbread on the side blues. The kind where you just want to be left alone with your melancholy. Let me feel what I'm feeling. The pain of living black struggle plantation blues. And I'll stop right there. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about um, what some of that, the significance of some of those words with respect to your father. Well, it was important for us to tell his story because he's our beginning and, and, and he's our, you know, the patriarch of our family and he was a bigger than life personality. And so we both have so much of him in us. And I look at my sister and I see my dad. Hmm. Um, she has his charisma and his charm. And quite frankly, everything that, I loved about my dad. My sister has that in abundance. Mm -hmm. So it was important Mm -hmm. for us to capture 
what he was in life and in our lives in particular. That doesn't make him a hero. In fact, he was a flawed man in many ways. In fact, my sister and I, we did not get the best of our father because he had his own demons and he had his own failures that he was living with as as a black man. And Mm. when you are told that when you go to college and you graduate and you get an engineering degree and you go and get a job and someone that doesn't look like you, which is a Caucasian man, tells you black men, I'm not going to hire you because black men don't do this kind of work. He had his own battles that he was fighting Mm. um, day to day. And so you, you add in, okay, trying to figure out his space in the world and then trying to be a dad to young girls. Um, it, it was kind of challenging. So we had our own individual, you know, relationships with my father, but it was important for us to kind of, so that we could just reach a peaceful center mm-hmm. in our lifetimes. We, 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 we had to find a place to to put everything that we could not say to him because he, he was taken, because he died. Mm-hmm. And so, Quite frankly, this is what this book burst. It was just our, you know, our, our our final farewell, and we got to say everything in this book that we couldn't necessarily say to him, mm-hmm. you know, because he okay. he died. So this right. is what that this is about, and I love that because he he loved the blues, and it's just it's and you know it's just history. It's so much the music of, of black people. It is really just a celebration of just black life, and this is what this is what I love about about both of our books. But we're talking about mirrored images, so that's that's what that was about. Okay. So could you both share with us some of the things that you've done besides writing to begin to shed some of your emotional baggage? Well, we write, and, and, and writing has been really therapeutic for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we started writing because we journaled, okay. uh, quite frankly. I exercise, so that helps me to shed quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I, I'm able to get a lot of my, you know, aggravations and, and the things that, you know, tee you off, you know, you're able to kind of let go of it a lot in that way. My sister loves to dance, but I'll let her answer. Okay. Uh, Well, to be honest, Lydia, I still carry a lot of that with me, but age is a uh, uh, wonderful thing because (laughs) I remember when I was um, uh, around 40-something years old, and I was like, oh, you know, we have a, a, a we have a, a neighbor who we kind of raised, and we call her our little sister, and she's a nurse. And she mm-hmm. came to me one time, and she was like, Lars, you don't, you don't want to be fat 40 and, and um, something she said, fat 40, and it was three Fs. I can't remember. I never can remember the third one. But I remember I went to my sister, Cheryl, and I said, and it was before I was, I think I must have been about 39 or something like that. And uh I was crying, and I was telling Cheryl, I don't want to be fat for you, and whatever the camera said. And, and my sister looked at me, and she just had this look on her face. And um, 
she just looked at me and she said, listen, Lars, either you're going to have to do something about it or you're going to have to make peace with it. Mm. And I don't know, I don't know what it, I don't know if it was just the way she said it or what it was, but it made so much sense to me. And it seemed like by the time I got in my 40s, I was like, this, you know, this is what I am. This is it. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, and then by the time I became 50, I, uh-huh. it was even better. It was even better. It was, you know, I just accepted it. You know, I was like, okay, this is this is who I am. This is this is it. You know, either you like it or you don't. And I'm telling you, when you when you get to that place in your life where you Mm -hmm. say, I accept it. You know, uh, I'm no longer fighting it or fighting against it. You know, and you just make peace with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it relieves a lot of baggage and. I don't know if it was because my sister said, but she had been telling me this my whole life, you know, you know that you, that I was good enough and all of this kind of stuff. But it never, you know, it never registered until then. And mm. it's it's like when my sister tells me, it's like when when you know I used to get bullied or beat up, and I'd go back and tell Cheryl, and she would make it all okay. She's been doing that for me my whole life. She's always that voice that says it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes when I just hear her say that, even now if I'm going through something, you know, on my job or personally or whatever, and I, sometimes I just call her up just to hear her voice because mm-hmm. I know that it's going to be okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think I, everybody needs that. That's, the, that's what my sister and I try to be in our books for young mm-hmm. girls, that it's going to be okay. You know, it looks like, you know, the world is ending and the, the walls are falling down on you, but just give it another day. <laughs> give, you know, give it another uh, 24 hours and you will see, it's, you know, it's going to be okay because everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. That's true. That's true. When and, I know, like... That, I was going to say when what I like about what you from within, said. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you love yourself from within, Lydia, you don't have time to tear down somebody else and make somebody else feel bad. That's when you can have the compassion to say, you know, I'm not going to join in on your 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 hen fest on this on this black woman. Mm. When you when you truly love yourself. And that can yeah. only come from within. That Amen. can only come with, from within. You cannot have your self-worth from how much you weigh or how good your hair is. If that's where your self-worth comes from, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, you're putting down some science there. And I'll tell you <laughs> what I really liked about what you said is the notion of journaling. Um which is one of the um, tools that I um, cover in, in my book, Reclaiming Yourself, A Black Woman's Guide to Navigating Work Life and Your Inner Spirit, that journaling is one of the ways that you can get that emotional baggage out. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you write one sentence or whether you write a thousand sentences. Just get it out. 
The other thing I like yeah. what you said is the notion of embracing, seeing yourself, facing, you know, looking at yourself and saying, I'm okay. I'm I'm good as I right. am. That I'm right. beautiful. And right. and those affirmations, those self uh, affirming statements about yourself because you have to start with you. Yes. I like well, that. We, well, then also well, those outlets for when things that help to bring you joy, things that will help to open open you up to yourself. So whether it's dancing or walking or running or knitting or bowling or what, listening to music, um, mm. whatever floats your boat, you know, what, allow Lydia, yourself what we were, to get into it. Go ahead, uh, Lydia. Lydia, what we both um, figured out very early on, right around the time that we picked up those pens and journals for whatever mm-hmm. reasons, usually because we were having, you know, issues with our dad and we were trying to understand him. But we figured out and we found out early age mm-hmm. that words manifest. And so sometimes... Yeah. You know, even if you're just speaking life to yourself, you know, we spoke life to each other as each other's champions. You know, I was telling my sister and she would also, you know, we would encourage each other and saying, you can overcome, you can do this, you're great, whatever. But when you write, you know, and you write the words, at at some point we wrote two books. Two books manifested. God allowed us to write two books because we journaled. They mm-hmm. they both started with journaling. And so words do manifest, and words create a whole life of their own. So, like I said, you know, journaling, is a it's a big deal. It is a big deal because at, when, I was, uh, when I started writing, I journaled so, because there were things happening in my life that I didn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. why they were happening. So I said, well, if I journal, I can better understand myself and find out why these things are coming my way. And, you know, that, that's how the book, uh, the first book, um, Different Sides of the Same Coin, how that came about, because I was trying to figure out my life mm-hmm. and why these things were happening. And if you go back, if you read the book, my writing starts out with me asking a lot of these, these questions of, you know, what's the necessity of life or, you know, why is this necessary? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm a- answering all these questions. But then as I'm, uh, I'm writing, because the, the first book happens over a course of like 20 years. So, you know, mm-hmm. as I'm growing, my writing is changing and you're, you're, you're sort of seeing my growth uh-huh. and me uh, coming to grips with or, or, or understanding myself and accepting myself as I am. Gotcha. And 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 gotcha. in mirrored images, you you see a lot more poems telling women that you're fine the way you are. Mhm. Mhm. There's a lot of uh, of poems in there, especially to for us big girls, because you know, like I said, being bullied, I was bullied mostly by black men or black boys. Mhm. And mm-hmm. you, you know how that, you know, you, that can really wear, work on you. 
Yes. Really work on this. When you, the most bullying that you are getting, the the person that is supposed to be, you know, your counterpart, uh, you know, in, in there protecting you and everything, that's the person that's bullying you. Mm. And, you know, you know so that, there are girls that bully, and there are girls that bully also, you know? Yes, so. most definitely. I was bullied by girls, too, but mo- from mm-hmm. the most severe bullying, I hate to say it, came from black men. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I, and I want to be clear with the audience is that we never really get rid of our inner critic. No. You know, we don't. We can shed emotional baggage, but that inner critic is going to be there. What you want to yes. be able to do and get to a place through whether it's journaling or affirmations or like it's doing those things that uh, give you joy or help you to clear your mind, what you want to be able to do is get to that place where you can tame that inner critic, where it's at yeah. a place where it's not, you're not triggering it. You know, it's not rearing its head and starting to, you know, talk to you and, you know, and starting starting to distract you from from you and and valuing yourself and embracing yourself. So that's that's important to remember that your inner critic is always going to be there, but it's how Mm -hmm. you tame it. How do you keep it at, at that center? And. You know, law of attraction um, is one of the ways that, you know, you, you can, as, as uh, Loris was saying, that you can write to help things manifest for you. You can use your voice to help things manifest, to bring you positive uh, experiences, again, to help tame that inner critic. Uh, well, we're at the point now where I'm going to open up the lines, and if um, any of our listeners want to call in and have questions for Cheryl and Loris, you can call um, 515-605-9827. That's 515-605-9827. So, tell uh, Laura, Cheryl, how will how can people get your book? Where can they find out more about you and about you know your 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 writings? You have a website. Okay. We do. Um, we have uh, a website. It's sisters s i s t e r s r o c. N as in Nancy, R-H-Y-N-E dot com, sistersrockandrhyme.com. If the listeners would access our website, they will then be able to um, utilize all of our media channels, uh, social media channels. Our handles are on the website. So that's how they can get in contact with us. The book is the books. Both books are available on Amazon. So Could you, you give us the names of the books again? Sure, mirrored images and different sides of the same coin. 
and it's um, Cheryl Jackson, and Cheryl's first name is spelled C-H-Y-R-E-L. And J. Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm the Jackson, right? And then yeah. Lyris uh-huh. Wallace is, um, as she mentioned, it's L-Y-R-I-S Wallace, and it's Loris. I'm sorry, Loris. I didn't mean to say That's Lyris. okay. Loris. That's all right. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, again, uh, listeners, if you want to uh, either call in or even comment, you can do so at 515-605-9827. Uh, any, any additional guidance, Cheryl and Loris, that you can uh, share with our listeners? We really, um, you know, because we love we love our people, and we want to actually be beacons of light wherever we can be for them. But our messaging is it's for men and women. It's not necessarily women. We write from a woman's point of view, but we mm-hmm. have a lot of poems in there about about men and, and, and black men in particular because of what's happening to them as we're watching them mow down with, you know, entanglements with law enforcement. So we uh-huh. do have a lot of social injustice. And we write a lot about um, just the beauty of, 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 black, of black people and positive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my sister said it earlier. You know, I told her all the time that, you know, you're beautiful. You're enough. We want our people to understand that they are enough of everything. They don't need to be lighter. They don't need to have hair extensions. They don't need to have skin bleachers and all this other stuff going on. They Mm -hmm. are God designed them. And in this moment, the way God made you and designed you, whatever package it's in, it's good enough. You don't have to do anything to it. And that is the, the transcending messages in our books. We're a beautiful people. And it's not what anybody calls you. It's what you answer to. It's what you allow people to do to you. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, we just we want them to know that, you know, Enough with all this negativity and all this other garbage. We're we're a beautiful people, and they are enough. And that's that's what we want to say to them. Yes, um, said so well. You know there are. Um, you know there was a time um, before COVID and before people got so extra sensitive that you know, if I saw a young lady on the street and, you know, she smiled and, you know, or her hair was beautiful, that I would give her a compliment mm-hmm. tell her how beautiful she was or how beautiful her hair is um, mm-hmm. or to keep smiling because her smile lights up her, her whole aura. It lights up a room. And, you know, I think we, we can continue to do that. And we should try to do that. Like I said, these days people are extra sensitive and looking to get on, um, mm-hmm. you know, Jerry Springer so that they can, you know, yell and scream and fight. But that's not where we want to be. Um, so, I, you know, again, 
I, I think we should just celebrate our beauty. We have a caller, and I'm going to um, let them in. Hold on. Good evening. Hi. Good evening, caller. Yes, I'm calling you from the British Virgin Islands. I wanted to say thank you um, so very much for your contributions this evening. You know, we as sisters often do not recognize the struggles of our other sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, And we go through things sometimes in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter the age, it is so relevant and so important to hear other people speak your story, to know that you are not alone um, in the body shaming, the colorism, mm-hmm. the racism, and the general unkindness, you know, mm-hmm. that black women are always um, victim to. So I wanted to thank all of you. Um, this evening, um, in particular, the lovely uh, Lydia that I know well. Thank you, my For having the courage and the agency to write. Um, you two sisters, I'm going to get your books on Amazon because we oh, thank to you. support each other. But I wanted to thank you so very much for your voice this evening, um, speaking all of our stories because we've all been through it. Um, continue to go through it, and we'll arrive um, on the other side as beautiful as when we went in. We'll just know mm-hmm. it for sure. You know, so thank you, sisters, this evening. Really, really grateful to have heard you and to have had the opportunity to participate. Good night. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you for your words, cousin. All right. Good night. Lydia, if I if I can, can I read this uh, short poem? I think it's uh, apropos of what for, for what we're speaking of tonight. Oh, certainly. Go ahead. What's the title? Okay. This this uh, poem is called "Sing Your Own Song," and it goes, "Girl, you sure been through some things. Some things you're still going through." Sometimes you find it hard to dance. You just can't hear the music, but you keep on listening, struggling to find the beat. Sometimes the record gets scratched. You stumble and you dance, and your dance is just a bop. Your bop becomes a sway, and sometimes you just have to stand still. But in those quiet, still moments, you manage to hum. Your humming becomes a tune. Your tune becomes a song, and you find your rhythm again. So you don't, you don't ever stop listening for the music of life, which causes your feet to dance. Just remember, sometimes you have to sing your own song. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, Thank uh, you. My last, the last What's On Your Mind podcast was about being vulnerable to your own rhythm mm-hmm. of life. You know, we all don't speak in the same cadence. We don't even speak at the same tone. We don't walk Mm -hmm. the same speed. We walk differently. We move differently. And, you know, black people have their own way of moving. 
you know, how and how we might move our heads, how we might move our shoulders. Yes. And so finding that, finding your rhythm, your music, and being vulnerable yes. to it, and and right. allowing yourself to 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 be be that rhythm is so important yes. because that's who you are. And and each of us has our own rhythm, and whatever music turns you on. It could be music. It could be something else. But that rhythm, you know, the, the earth has its own rhythm and we all walk on the earth and we, we are picking up the rhythms that, that enable us to continue to exist and, and, and to thrive and, and to walk and to move and to sing and to speak. So I, I just love that poem because that is so in line with the notion of being vulnerable to your own rhythm because then, that, that then, then you start to really get close to who you are. Yeah. So we have... Well, see, that, 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 that whole concept there is what kind of also drew me to writing because I was always fascinated with the way we as black people speak. We have a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and I just love that, I, 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 the way we engage with one another. When we're truly engaged with one another, you will notice that there's a, a rhythm to, to the way we speak to one another and the way yes. we interact with each other. It's just a beautiful thing when you sit back and watch it. And that's what I kind of wanted to capture in, in, in some of my poems, the way they're written, the way they flow. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of capture the way we speak to one another as black people. Yep, and that's one of the ways you can help tame your inner critic because you are celebrating. Exactly. You're celebrating and and recognizing that you as a as a black person but also other black people, whether it's family, mm. friends or whomever that that we all have a particular something that other folks try to grab onto. And they can't, mm-hmm. they can't replicate they can't. what we have. That's true. That's true. And that's, that's so why, true. and I think that, that goes to a lot of the tension. They couldn't really kill us during slavery, right? Mm-hmm. During the slave trade. They couldn't beat it out of us. We continued to survive. Right. And, I, and we are all survivors, all of us who are on this call tonight. Um, we have another caller, and I'm going to uh, let them in. Hey, Hello, good caller, you're live. Hey, good evening. This is C. Miller calling from Dallas, Texas, hey. and I am crazy about these sisters. I called them to let them know that I'm here. I'm on the front row clapping for you, and I really appreciate the things that they both do to guard their individuality while they blend their gifts. Mm. Because there's no doubt in my mind that one thinks this way and the other one thinks this way, but they're both beautiful. Mm, So I really appreciate everything you contribute to us as a people. Um, I would like to ask a question and know, what are some other things that you guys are interested in doing to communicate such a powerful message to our community? Because other people need to be made aware, not only that you guys are amazing writers and you create some beautiful poetry, 
but the message needs to be engraved in us because, I, you know, even if I wasn't doing the bullying, I witnessed the bullying. So I know we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're mean as kids. Kids are mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard going to school and somebody the same complexion as you is the reason you don't want to go to school because they're so mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would ask that, like, what are some other things that you would, you guys would like to do? to communicate your messages and introduce your writing to our community. And I'm wow. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm smiling so, like, wide right now. I had no idea that the CT was going to call in. But um, we're actually, right now, we've got a lot of uh, irons in the fire, but we're look out for our non-fictional family drama, um, but we're also actually working on a screenplay of 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 our lives, of our relationship with each other, mm. and we're hoping that that really takes off. So those are some of the immediate things that we're doing. I would love to be able to, once everything starts to open back up, do a couple of speaking engagements. Uh, that's something that I, I look forward to being able to do if if they ever open this if they ever open this up uh, anytime soon. So, Lars, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, you pretty much answered the question. I just wanted to say, hey, CT, thanks for calling. <laughs> hey, sis, love you guys. Thank you so much you for too. everything. Love you guys. Thank you, know, you, CT, you for know calling in. You know how we in. feel about you, CT. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. I want to thank, as we wind down, um, we're under two minutes. I want to thank Cheryl Wallace and Laura, I'm sorry, Cheryl Jackson and Loris Wallace um, for sharing your story tonight, for being my guest on What's on Your Mind. Um, I want to just remind the audience about what's on your mind. It is a podcast, and I am your host, and covering a lot of topics that are uh, every week that are relevant to African-American women. And, again, the the notion of embracing your capacity for self-love and acceptance. I also encourage you to to get my new book, Reclaiming Yourself, A Black Woman's Guide to Navigating Work, Life, and Your Inner Spirit. It's available on Amazon. Or you can go to my, uh, my, my website, lpjenterprises.com, and get a copy of my book, my other book, my e-book, The Black Woman's Clapback, and which is a guide for dealing with microaggressions in the workplace. So, I, again, I want to thank Cheryl and Loris. Um, I'm so glad that you reached out to me, Cheryl, on on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, I want to thank everyone who dialed in. And, uh, again, remember, take that inner critic. And have a wonderful evening, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.